Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful day. Um, as we are gathered here in your presence, we pray, Lord, that you come and speak to us. Teach us your word in the name of Jesus. We pray that our lives will never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right. So, um, planning to do a series on the character of Christ. Um, and today, I'm just going to do an introduction of the, the series. And so, um, we'll be talking about the character of Christ for a number of weeks. Um, um, we, we are going to look into the Gospels and then study how Jesus Christ related with other people, how Jesus Christ acted and reacted in situations. I believe one of the things that we have um, forsaken now is the character of Christ. Believers want to experience the power of Christ. They want to experience the authority that Christ has. And they want to um, have everything that Christianity promises and they leave the character of Christ. But as believers, we cannot leave the character of Christ and then expect to experience the authority and the power that comes with Christianity. And so it's important that we develop the character of Christ. The Bible expects us to have the, um, the character of Christ. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When the Bible talks about new creation, it means that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, when it talks about all things have passed away, it means your old nature has passed away. And that nature has been replaced with a new nature. The new nature is created after the image of Christ. So the new nature takes on the attributes of Christ. The Bible tells us that we are created in the image of God. When the Bible says that man is created in the image of God, it does not refer to physical appearance. But it refers to, because God is a spirit. And so when, we, when the Bible says that we are created in the image of God, it means that we have the attributes of God. And so emotionally, we can say that God is love. And so when we, when we say that we are created in the image of God, it means that we can give love and we can receive love. When, it, when we talk about government, God makes a choice. And so he gives us the liberty to make a choice. And so man is a free moral agent. Man can make a choice. And right from creation, Adam had the ability to make a choice. And that has not been taken away from us. And because man is a free moral agent and can make a choice, then God is just to judge our actions. So when we become Christians, we still have the ability to make a choice, either to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. And so when we talk about our moral aspect, um, God created man to live righteously. God created us to live in holiness. And so when we talk about man being created in the image of God, it means that we are created with the attributes of God. So before the fall of man, that is the life we were supposed to live. But when, when Adam sinned and we fell from the grace that God had given man, man became corrupted. All these attributes became corrupted. And so that is why it is difficult to look at the fallen man to, to, to decide whether there is God or there is no God. Some people will look at man in his fallen state 
and say, because of what this person is doing, because of what that person is doing, I don't think there is God. But that man is in a fallen state. And because we are in a fallen state, we cannot represent God well. But when we become Christians, that fallen, that fallen state or that corrupt nature is taken away and then it is replaced with the nature of Christ. And so Jesus Christ came on earth to demonstrate to us how we can live in that image of God. And so Jesus Christ was sinless. He lived all the attributes of God. Bible says he's the express image of the Father. And so Jesus Christ came to show us an example of how we can live in the God nature. And then he made a way for us to receive the God nature. And so when you become a Christian, the corrupted nature is taken away and you have the God nature. Now you have to express that God nature. Like we said earlier, that man is a free moral agent. And so when you become a Christian, that is not taken away from you. You still have the ability to make a choice, either to do right or to do wrong. If God should have made us robots and we, all we do is to obey and we don't have the ability to make a choice, that would not make him God. Our worship would not have a meaning. But because we are able to make a choice, when we decide that out of our own free will, we are going to worship God, that makes our worship meaningful. And that makes God a, a true God. And so God gives us our will and expect us to use that will to worship him. And so when we become Christians, the fallen nature is replaced and we have the nature of Christ. Most of the times people look at the life of believers or other people who are supposed to represent Christ. And because those people fail to represent Christ well, people's faith is broken and people cannot even believe in Jesus Christ because they will look at you and say, you are a Christian. And how I, why are you doing this or why are you doing that? And so it is obvious that the world expects us as Christians to express the nature of God. Meet the, the, the most hardened unbeliever. They have an expectation of Christians. And that is why we cannot leave aside the character of Christ and just be confessing that we are Christians. People want to see the goodness in us. The whole world wants to see, their unbelievers want to see that if we are Christians, they hold us to a certain standard and they expect us to live by that standard. And that is why it is important that we develop the character of Christ. Amen. Amen. And so, again, I wouldn't excuse an unbeliever that be, because somebody failed to leave the standard of Christianity, that means you should also not believe in God. Because no human being on earth today is the standard. Jesus is the standard for us all. And so all of us as believers, we are trying to live our lives like Jesus Christ. And so a lot of unbelievers don't have a problem with the Jesus of the Bible. They don't have a problem with the God of the Bible. What they have a problem with is the Christians who hold the Bible. And that is why we have to live our lives in a way that reflects our calling. If we are called Christians, our life has to reflect that Christianity. And it starts as a journey. When we believe in, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, our spirit is saved. When we talk about new creation, it means that morally and spiritually, we are changed. And so the spiritual change is instant. The moral change comes over time. 
as we continue to read the Bible, as we continue to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey the Bible, then the moral, we, people begin to see the moral change in our lives. And so we cannot fail, we cannot stop working on our moral life and expect that we can still profess Christianity. And so today we have a lot of people who are teaching that when you become a Christian, you can do whatever you want. Because they see that a lot of people are trying to live right, they are unable to do it. And so they are giving people an easy path that do whatever you want and still just say you believe Jesus Christ. But that is not what the Bible teaches. That is wrong. That is a wrong doctrine and it does not um, conform with the teachings of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 16. The Bible says that, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to, measure, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by tricky of men and in cunning craftiness of deceitful, deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow in all things into him, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love that is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 16 the bible says when jesus christ ascended up on high he gave gift unto men he gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists some to be pastors and some to be teachers it means that when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, he gave men as gifts to the body of Christ. He gave people to, be, to become apostles. He called some to become prophets, to be evangelists, and to be teachers, and to be pastors. And the Bible says in verse 12, the reason why he did this is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So today, the reason why we have a pastor, the reason why we have a prophet, the reason why we have an apostle, it's not that we'll take our problems to them and ask them to pray for us. It's not that we'll all rely on them for some power. The Bible is telling us that the reason why he gave us all this gift is for equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So when we gather here in church, the reason why we come to church is so that we'll be equipped and all of us will go into ministry. By ministry does not mean that all of us will stand here and be preaching, but all of us have a service in the body of Christ. You see, when, when the Bible says that Christians are the body of Christ, we have head, we have ears, we have nose, and none of this body part is useless. Every body part has a function to play. And so all of us as believers have a function to play in the body of Christ. Now, if you ask yourself, why isn't the body of Christ very effective? Then the next question you have to ask yourself is, are you playing your part? Because all of us have to play a certain role in the body of Christ. And so when we come to church, we are equipped. The reason why we come to church is so that we'll be taught, we'll be equipped, and we'll all play our part in the body of Christ. And the Bible says that when we play our part in the body of Christ, it leads to edification of the body. Which means that the body of Christ becomes better when all of us play our role. 
And the Bible says that it will lead to unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And it will lead us to become perfect and to measure up to the stature of Christ. Our goal as believers is that we will measure up to the stature of Christ. All of us, our desire, our passion should be that we will have the character of Christ. And for the next um, couple of weeks, we'll be, we'll be discussing the character of Christ. How we can demonstrate the character of Christ. And how we can lead people to Christ by the way we, we um, demonstrate that we are Christians. The Bible tells us that the believers were first, the um, disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Before that time, they were called people of the way. Or they were called the way. Or followers of the way. I don't know where they got that name from. Maybe because Jesus Christ said, I am the way. And so his followers, when you read the book of Acts, his followers were called the way. When you read Acts chapter 9, Bible says that Paul had letters from the king to go and arrest people of the way and bring them into prison. And so before that time, believers were called people of the way. But when they got into Antioch, the people looked at their lifestyles and said, these people are Christians. Because there, there was a way the believers, the disciples were living their lives. They were demonstrating their compassion, the love of Christ. And they were, they were relating with people the way Christ related with them. In the book of Acts, when they were arrested, the Bible says that the, peop, the, the people were wondering where these guys got their boldness from. Because they know that Peter and the other guys were illiterate. But they were, where did these guys get their boldness from? And the Bible says, and they took knowledge of them that they have been with Christ. All of us who have become Christians are spending time with Christ. And because we are spending time with Christ through fellowship, because the Bible says that where two or three people are gathered in my name, I am there. And that tells us what the quorum is for a church. Two or three people. That is how it stands. And so do not be, um, do not be discouraged by our number because Christ is here with us. The angels are here with us. The Bible says where two or three people are gathered in my name, I am there. And so all you need is two or three people. Amen. Amen. So the Bible tells us that um, the disciples, because they spent time with Christ, their lives were transformed. And the point I was making earlier is that because we are also spending time with Christ through his word, through fellowship, when we read the Bible, we are spending time with him. The Holy Spirit inside of, is inside of us. It means we are spending time with Him. Because we are spending time with Christ, our lives have to be, has to be transformed. Our lives do not have to be the same. And so when the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Meaning that when you come to Christ, there are things about your life that has to change. There are things that you used to do that you cannot continue to do them. Let me share the story of John. John, when Christ sent them out and they met people, the people were re resisting the, their gospel. The people didn't want to accept them. John said, John was asking permission from Jesus Christ that should we call fire down and burn these people like how Elijah did? And Christ said, you don't know the spirit of which you are, you are made of. And John, again, at one time, they met some people who were casting out demons in the name of Jesus, but they did not follow that um, they did not follow Jesus Christ, but these guys were doing their own thing somewhere. 
John said, we have to stop these people. Let's stop them because in Luke chapter 9, he said, we are going to stop these people because they don't even follow us and they are casting out demons. That was the character of John. But John, in his older age, when he had experienced Jesus Christ, when he had fellowship with Jesus Christ, when you read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, John is the one who is teaching us about love because his life has been transformed. Peter was a man who walked with Jesus Christ. He spent time with Jesus, was with him for three years. In fact, you can tell Peter is the, one of the closest person because when you read the Gospels, every time Peter is asking a question, he was the one who was always, I believe he was the talkative among them, asking questions a lot. Peter walked with Jesus all this while he still had a knife in his pocket. And at one, at one time, when somebody wanted to, uh, when they wanted to arrest Jesus Christ, I believe that Peter wanted to divide the guy's head into two. <laughs> one pastor said the guy knew how to dance, so he just swept to the left. <laughs> and then he got his ear, because definitely the ear was not a target. <laughs> This same Peter who had been walking with Jesus Christ for three and a half years, still had a knife and was even attempting to cut off somebody's head. But later in Peter's life, we see that his life had been transformed. Peter was a changed man. And now Peter was teaching other people. He had patience to teach other people to become good Christians. What happened? They spent time with Christ and their lives were transformed. Paul. Paul was another hard guy who had taken letters from the, um, the, chief, um, the chief priests and from the kings to go and arrest Christians. When they were stoning Stephen, Paul was standing there watching them and was taking care of the clothes of the people who were stoning Stephen. But Paul became transformed when he encountered Jesus Christ to the point where people said that Paul is a weak guy. Now, what he used to do before he became a, he became a Christian does not present a person who is weak a guy who had letters he just wanted to destroy christianity he was he had all the zeal that he wanted to preserve the tradition of his fathers and so he was going to arrest everyone he found who was following jesus christ that is not an example of a weak person but when he became a christian his life was transformed so much that people began to point to him as weak but you see having the character of christ is no weakness Having the character of Christ is real strength. The fact that somebody does something to you, somebody insult, they were insulting Paul that he's weak. He doesn't, they were saying all sorts of things, and the guy didn't react. That takes a lot of strength. That is not weakness at all. Because he, his life had been transformed. His heart has been renewed. And so he didn't have to prove himself by fighting. He didn't have to fight back. He didn't have to insult back. He didn't have to um, arrest people and put them into prison. He didn't have to force people to believe what, his, what he believes. Because Paul was a Pharisee and he wanted everybody to believe in Judaism until he met Jesus Christ. Now he realized that we don't have to force people to believe. We only have to teach people. So at, at some point, Paul was arrested. He was given 39 lashes. He did not react. This wasn't a guy who would have taken those 39 lashes and, and, and kept quiet. But because his, his life had been transformed through relationship with Jesus Christ, he was able to keep quiet even in the midst of persecution. And so as believers, all these people, when you read and you look at the life of 
everyone who encountered Jesus Christ, there was something in their life that showed that this person has encountered Jesus Christ. And as believers, as we live on earth today, our desire should be that men will see Christ in us. You see, we as believers, our objective here on earth is for people to see Jesus Christ in us. We live in a world that is hurting so much. A lot of people hate Christianity. They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. But if we can leave our values as believers, the some of the accusations that we have as, as Christians will not stand. And so let's make it our objective that we are going to leave our values as Christians. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 13, the Bible says, For though by this time you ought to teach, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. You have you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So the writer of Hebrew is telling the, the believers that at this point, I'm expecting you to be teachers, but you are still being taught. You are still babies in the Lord. So that means that we are not supposed to remain babies forever. Imagine when you have a 21-year-old baby or you have an 18-year-old baby. By that, I mean that the person still acts like a baby. The person is still in diapers. The person is still taking milk. The person still has to be fed. That is not the, the type of baby that you want to take care of. That is not your expectation. You expect that every baby will grow. And that is the expectation of us as believers, that we will grow into the image of Jesus Christ, that will express the character of Christ to the world. That does not mean that there is anything wrong with milk because when you read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says that as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so when you are new, the Bible encourages you to grow by desiring the, the milk of the word. And so as you continue to read the word, the Bible also expects that you will grow and become matured. Maturity in, as a believer, it's not in the number of scriptures you can quote. It's not in the number of hours you can pray. It's, it's not even in your service or anything that you do, but it's in your character. When you reflect Jesus Christ, the character of Jesus Christ, that demonstrates to the world that you are, believe, you are a matured believer. And so until we get to the point where we can love like Jesus Christ, we are not yet there. But the objective, as we read from Ephesians chapter 4, is that we will grow to the point that we will have the stature of Christ. That should be what we pursue. I know that there might be weaknesses that we are facing, but the Bible says as we continue to read the word of God, then our mind is renewed, our lives are transformed, and we continue to go closer and we get closer and closer and closer to our objective as believers. Our objective as believers, that is becoming like Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says to the Galatian church, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Paul's desire for the church is that Christ will be formed in them. And so he said, I labor again in birth pains. Paul was, saying, Paul was presenting himself like a mother who had given birth. 
because he was the one who gave birth to the church and to the people in the Galatian, in the Galatian church. And he says, I am laboring again in birth pains to see that Christ is formed in you. Because the Galatian church were walking away from Christianity and we're, we're going to something else, which is not Christianity. And Paul is saying that I labor again, which means he was praying for the church, that the church, that Christ will be seen in them. And if that was so important to, to Paul at that time, that the church will reflect the image of Christ, that Christ will be seen in the church, then we should understand that it's so important even now that Christ will be seen in us. It is important to the world, even to yourself. If you measure, the Bible says, examine yourself to see if you are still in the faith. And so there are things that you do that you don't know. Christ wouldn't have done this. There are things that you say that you, you realize that, no, Christ wouldn't have said this. There are, there are things that you react to and you realize that, no, Christ wouldn't have reacted this way. And that is how you correct yourself by looking into the word. No believer, no pastor, no man of God, no, not even the Pope is the standard to measure our Christianity's worth. But the standard is Jesus Christ. He's the one who was perfect, sinless, and set an example for us that we should live according to how he lived. Now, when I talk like this, everybody will begin to say that, oh, the standard, therefore, is so high. There's no way we can meet the standard. And so because of this, people have said that, oh, if we cannot meet the standard, why are we even trying? <laughs> but that is why he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. Remember that the Bible will not tell us to do something. God will not tell us to do something that he knows we cannot do. And so everything God is telling us to do, he knows we can do. Because he knows the end from the beginning. And so if you think that living a holy life, living a righteous life is impossible, then it means you don't believe in the Bible or you don't believe in what the Bible teaches. Because the Bible expects us to live in the nature and the stature of Christ. That is where he wants us to get to. And that is a possibility. And how does it start? It starts first of all by changing your mind and saying that it is possible. By changing your mind and, saying, uh, and not saying that, oh, me, I'm a sinner. As soon as you take that nature and take that identity that you are a sinner, it's easy for you to sin. It's very easy because you're already, you're already saying that's who you are. But the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You are not a sinner. You have been transformed. You have been made righteous. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he has made us the righteousness of God. And so as soon as you have the conscious, the righteousness consciousness that I am, I'm, I'm, a righteous, I'm a righteous person. For instance, when you know that you're wearing a white shirt, there are things you will not touch. But when you're wearing a black shirt, you can just lean on everything. You can touch anything because you know that, the, I mean, it's already black. Nobody will see it. Right, and so people and people religiously say that, oh, we are all sinners. That is religion. That is not what the Bible teaches us. Watch the Bible. When the Bible is referring to Christians, he never went. Watch all the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. Read verse one and verse two. At least the first five verses of Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians. He never refers to the believers as sinners. Paul says to the saints in Ephesus. To the saints in Galatians, to the saints in Corinthians, especially Corinthians. Let me let me read the Corinthians because when you look at the, the the lifestyle of the Corinthians and the things that Paul was going to address in the Corinthian church, 
There was no way that he should refer to that church as saints. But why did Paul call them saints? Because he knew that they, they have been transformed, that they are changed. And so he called the Corinthian church saints. This, were peop- this was a church that they were living in sin. And Paul was going to address the sinful life that they were living. He was going to talk about the fact that somebody, uh, somebody had taken his, his, um, his stepmother and was living with the step. He was going to talk about all that. But in his introduction, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he says to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ, called to be saints. Can you imagine? You know that usually when they, when they call saints, they add like saints, John, saints, Andrew. And, but the Bible says that we are all saints. So you are not far from right when you add saints to your name. <laughs> the Bible says we are called to be saints. Amen. And so the Corinthian church, with everything that was going on, the sin and the division, and after even in verse 1, Paul started to address division in the church, how people are saying, me, I belong to Paul, I belong. But when he was introducing the church, he said to the saints. And that is the identity we have from the Bible. We are not sinners. I know there are wonderful Christian songs. Oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Oh, we are all sinners. Oh, we and people in the back of their mind, oh, I'm still a sinner. You are not still a sinner when you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. And when you have that mindset that you are sanctified in Christ, the way you live your life changes. That is what even empowers you to live the life that you are supposed to live. Because first of all, you know your identity has changed. And that is why I don't um, support the view that we are still sinners. No, we were sinners, but now we are not sinners. The Bible says we are saints, we are sanctified, we are holy, we have been set apart. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, God has set you apart. And so don't leave your, don't have the consciousness of sin that I'm a sinner. No, you are not. Once you have that consciousness that you are righteous in Christ, that inspires you to live according to your calling. Again, don't just stop by calling yourself righteous. But you have to live according to your calling. And that is why we'll take our time to study the character of Christ. As time goes on, I'll be wrapping up soon. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 23, the Bible says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. So Paul is talking to the Ephesian church, that you guys were all Gentiles, you were all sinners, Therefore, now that you have become Christians, do not continue to walk like the rest of the Gentiles, like the rest of the world. Don't live your life like how all other people live their life. So people might be going one way, but you are now a child of God, and that is how you live your life now. He says that do not walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past failing, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all on cleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and you have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, 
the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in your spirit in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So this scripture is telling us that if we are in Christ, if we have learned from Christ, then we should put off the old man and put on the new man, which is renewed according to the righteousness and holiness that is in Christ. And so as believers, once we accept Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, we need to demonstrate the character of Christ. And we are going to go deeper into what the character of Christ means in the coming week. We are called to put on the character of Christ. We are called to grow into the image of Christ. There has to be transformation when we become Christians. We can't continue to do the old things that we do. The Bible says that um, my, my, last, my last scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling, with which you are called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing, bearing one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So we are called to live a life that reflects the image of Christ. And before we can even live this life, we have to understand what that means. And um, in the few weeks, we are going to study what the character of Christ means. I just want us to take a few minutes to begin to pray right now and commit ourselves to the hands of God. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us to live the image of Christ. We want to say, Holy Spirit, we need your help. We cannot do it by ourselves. But Holy Spirit, we need you today. Empower us and strengthen us. Give us grace. Give us the ability to live and reflect who Jesus Christ is. We pray that our light will shine in the midst of the darkness in the world. In Jesus' mighty name. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that we are saved, we are sanctified, we are saints according to your word, and we accept the new identity that you have given us. Lord, we pray that you empower us, you give us grace to reflect this new identity. We pray that men will see the light in us in the name of Jesus, that we will demonstrate the character of Jesus Christ. We pray, O oh God, that we will be good witnesses, we will be good representatives here on earth in Jesus' mighty name, that our lives will draw many to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right, God bless.